When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Me, Carl Langdon, and Mark Reddings with you. He's got a big smile on his dial because he has just seen a magic moment unfold when it comes to our diamonds taking on the English roses. Skeet, describe it for those that are winging their way home. How yes, are you, buddy? very well, Carl. Great to be with you on this uh, Wednesday night. So much sport to talk about, including a major upset at the T20 World Cup, which we'll discuss in just a moment. But one of the most controversial issues in sport over the past week has been the uh, Netball Australia controversy over sponsorship. We've gone through the $15 million which has been taken off the table uh, by Gina uh, Reinhart. And, of course, uh, what is involved is one of the young athletes, uh, Danelle Wallam, who tonight made her international debut for the Diamonds, which is notable in itself. I think she's the first First Nations woman to uh, play for the first time in, I think, two decades for the Diamonds, only the third in total from a First Nations perspective. And guess what she did tonight? She scored the winning goal in the last seconds of the match against England to get her country across the line 55 to 54. So you talk about storylines in sport, and this young lady who... Uh, is being interviewed as we speak on Fox Sport, would have gone through a whole range of emotions in the past 24, 48, 72 hours. She could not have dreamt for that type of finish. No, absolutely, mate. And uh, look, a lot of emotion, a few tears in her eyes right now. She's currently being interviewed because it's only just happened. And uh, to get it right on the buzzer and to see the elation, teammates getting around her, uh, I think there's uh, there's no no doubt that uh, she's uh, a, a person that they all love and they're willing to support. They've made their statement. They're standing behind her. And uh, we have to uh, continue to move on. But fantastic to see her make her moment and make her mark tonight. Speaking of making their mark, well, last... Last night, I uh, had a bloke ring us up here on the program. Well, we had a bloke ring us up on the program. Uh, sports update, thanks to KO Sports. Watch the T20 World Cup on KO Sports. That's what you can do. And this bloke had a Wednesday wine on a Tuesday. Imagine the best DM Breaker distributors of the world's best rock breakers, dmbreaker.com.au. How was the wine from this bloke 24 hours ago? Yeah, well, Franco, give it to us. This is what this bloke said. Steve. Stephen's in Leeming. G'day, Steve. Oh, hi, Carl. How are you? Good. I just want to say that England smashed Australia 3 0 in the 2020 series last week. Oh, is that all we got? Oh, he did go on a bit of a rant. He described. <laughs> well, we had to cut him off, right? I know. But yeah. uh, there was a couple of dump words. Effectively, he was putting the boots into Australia for getting rolled in some warm-up matches at the World Cup. Well, let's be honest, Australia's not travelling that flash, but he was boasting about winning the World T20 Cup and about regaining the ashes. Well, guess what happened tonight, Carl? Mm, he uh, called us Ws, he called us P155, he, weak. Uh, he, he, he called us a, a number of other names, and in the end... <laughs> in the end, thanks to Duckworth Lewis and also a very competitive Irish side, 
England has been beaten on the Duckworth-Lewis system by five runs uh, by Ireland. So Duckworth-Lewis method, of course, rain uh, playing a lot of uh, uh, factor in many matches in the tournament so far. Again, was part of what we saw late this afternoon. Ireland gets across the line, and that now just magnifies the importance of Friday night's game at the MCG, where some more rain is forecast, between Australia and England at the mighty MCG. Well, New Zealand and Afghanistan, uh, they were supposed to be underway at four o'clock. It's now ten past six, and they still haven't even bowled a ball in that game, so that's likely to be washed out tonight, I'd suggest. Uh, let's reflect back to last night because uh, you and I got a chance to see the game. It finished long after we were off air. Australia getting the job done, but I tell you what, uh, Aaron Finch's fielding was diabolical. Uh, it was like the, the, the archers, you know, when you do a bridge and the ball just goes past you. Uh, he was not nimble enough, uh, so terrible in the field. Then he could not find the middle of his bat all night. I think he hit one... One delivery out of the middle of the bat. He was French cutting. He was getting edges. He was cussing himself. He bowed when Stoinis was just whacking them all around the park, which was quite incredible to see the influence that he had on that game and uh, make the, the 50 that he made, I think, of uh, the quickest in, in Australian World Cup history. But, gee, I tell you what, Aaron Finch under pressure, and I must say, so too is Pat Cummins, and there's uh, a lot in the game with bigger names than I that have played for our country that have been calling for both of these two blokes to be dropped. Yeah, let's start with Pat Cummins. He is a test captain. He is an elite bowler. But when it comes to T20 cricket, at the death in the final overs, that is. He hasn't been all that um, inexpensive. 20 runs off the final over last night. And as you say, other cricket experts have come out and suggested that the lengthy bowls really gives batters a chance to get some some leverage and go over the top and, and go maximum or go boundary in those uh, last overs. So uh, look, Pat Cummins will keep his place, I would have thought, against uh, Australia, against uh, England on Friday night, albeit Mark War has come out and said he thinks Cam Green should come into the side. The interesting one is Aaron Finch, because let's be honest, he stepped down from one-day international cricket because of his form. Now, I'm not sure, and when this happened, I thought, well, how come he's still playing in the T20 World Cup? Obviously, his captaincy is part of the reason he is there, but you just can't afford to carry someone at the top of the order. So two things have to happen here between now and probably against England, because if we lose that, although tonight's result will help our cause, we will find ourselves as Australians out of contention to play in the semi-finals. Aaron Finch has to drop down the order and elevate a player or bring in a Cam Green. Um, alternatively, why can't, can you not omit a player that is out of form. That is the question I, I'm asking. Aaron Finch, as I said, retired from international one-day cricket because his form wasn't up to scratch, yet he's first picked because of his captaincy uh, status in the T20 format. Well, and let's face it, in all the warm-up games, uh, we got pasted uh, up there in Queensland playing in Cairns. Uh, he made one score, and he made it in the second last game. He made 79, and that's basically got him his reprieve. But p to be perfectly honest, he's done very little in the couple of games. He was lucky last night uh, not to be out in the first few balls, and it would have been luxury, really, for Sri Lanka to actually have kept him there. Uh, and, you know, I thought that, well, he's wasting so many balls here, and we're in a lot of pain. I mean, if it wasn't really for for Marsh and, and then Maxwell with their couple of cameos, along with Stoinis's big hitting towards the end, then uh, it may well have been a different story. And Australia could have been planning already for the next World Cup because they just weren't doing it for me last night. The alternative argument, Carl, 31 of 42, numbers not great, that's clear. But he was still there at the end. So he knew the target and although he was scratching, he struggled and couldn't hit it off the square most times. The fact that he was there at the end probably gives the selectors and himself uh, a bit of 
bit of optimism, thinking, okay, the MCG, I was really poor in Perth, but I hung around and got the job done. That's the upside that the Australians will be looking at. We were supposed to be having a chat to Matty Wade after this next break, Scoot, but one double three eight eighty two. we want to have a chat to you. What would you do? Uh, Cummins, uh, Finch, do you think that they should be playing in the next match? What's your thought? Did you go last night? What did you think of the game? One double three eight eighty two. but Matty Wade's pulled up crook on the flight back, uh, so he won't be joining us tonight, uh, and this is genuine, so I just wonder whether it's uh, maybe an effect of COVID or hopefully not, but uh, I just wonder on the back of Zampa having to pull out of the match last night that it may have affected others in the team. Yeah, look, and going back to that Adam Zampa situation, look, Australia, I think, need to go to their slower bowlers more often. Ashton Agar was terrific, took one for 24, I think it was, or thereabouts off his four overs, uh, and Zampa's their, their leading spin bowler in T20 cricket. Glenn Maxwell does a job. But I'm not sure that uh, spin bowling can't play a bigger role for Australia going forward, particularly at the MCG. I'd be very much inclined to keep Agar in the, the side, also Zampa if he's fit, uh, and then maybe uh, take the risk of, of losing one of your quicks. And that might be the answer. I thought that the spin uh, in India versus Pakistan, it was a, a pace-friendly pitch, but I think spin might still play a really big factor in this tournament. Join in, one double three eight eighty two. approaching 16 after 6. It's Wednesday wine night. If you've got something you want to get off your chest, you can do it right now. Imagine the best at DM Breaker, the world's best rock breakers. We'll be back soon. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Plenty of calls coming in, Skeet, as we jump straight into it. So just updating sport quickly for KO. Don't risk missing all your team's matches at the T20 World Cup on KO Sports. Delay tonight uh, in the match between New Zealand and Afghanistan due to rain and the match affected earlier tonight. Ireland defeated England by five runs. And a short time ago, our girls, the Diamonds, getting it done over the Roses by one goal. 55-54 and Danelle Wallum nailed the winner on debut on the buzzer, a win for the Aussies as we head to Cathy and Beaconsfield. G'day Kath. Good afternoon guys. Uh, I just got a quick question. Last night while I was watching the cricket um, Warner took a catch on the boundary mm. mm-hmm. controlled the ball mm-hmm. as far as I was aware Trans- took it with two hands, transferred to one hand and flicked it back, then yep. stepped over the boundary. Yep. It was classed as a four, not an out. No, 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 it wasn't. No, I don't think it was even a four. It wasn't even a boundary because he didn't. No. He, he, compl- he threw the ball away before he took the step over the boundary. That, that's why he threw it back. That's why to, he threw right. it in. Trying to mm. keep the ball. Yeah, I realise that, but why wasn't it classed as an out? Because he took it on the full. Yeah, because he had to it. throw. He had to throw the ball away. Because if he had, if he had a stepped over the boundary with the ball in his hand, it would have been a six. Which, which is what he's yeah, going to do. His momentum was always going to take him over the boundary, Kathy. If he'd kept that ball in his hand over the rope on the full, it's a six. Yeah, so no, that. Yeah, but why? Because what my theory is, or my question is, a flipsman can take a catch and strike straight in the air. All yep. in one motion. Yeah, but you're not going to and step over the boundary, Kath. Because David what's, Warner what's the was... Boundary? The, but he controlled that ball. It doesn't matter because with his, with his momentum... His one. No, but with his momentum, he was going to step over the rope. Now, if he had had that ball in his hand and stepped over the rope, it would have been six. Now, he threw the ball away before he stepped over the rope. And he's hoping that that, that ball, when he's throwing it back in, he wasn't going to get it back to a team. There was no one close by. But his aim was to keep the ball in the air long enough for someone to catch the ball, and obviously that would have been out. out. 
But, look, you see it often, Cathy, particularly in T20, where the skills of the outfielders are so good, where they're able to uh, take a catch, then step over the, the boundary line, throw it in the air while they're in the motion of going from one side of the rope to the other, for instance, then step back inside, take the catch. So I know what you're saying, controlling it, but unfortunately they're, they're the rules that they operate under in uh, in cricket. Okay. Mm, it's just strange because he did actually control the ball, even though he threw. I don't see any difference between the slipsman throwing it up. Well, um, well, as I said, the only difference was the slipsman don't actually uh, haven't got momentum and are not going over the boundary line. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Kath. It's just funny rule. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nah, but it's always been the rule, Kath, and uh, that's why you see a lot of teamwork like that. E- even the the catch that was taken by one of the Sri Lankan fieldsmen last night off Maxwell, I mean, he basically balanced on the side of his foot to make sure that he didn't touch the little uh, core flu on the on the boundary. He did a remarkable job to take that catch. It becomes somewhat of an art form, isn't it, to these players, a bit like rugby league players uh, scoring a try in the corner where they launch themselves over the top, keep the ball in their hand and keep themselves in the field of play. So uh, that's just the way um, some of the athleticism we see in modern day cricket. Let's go to Glenn in Byford. G'day, Glenn. G'day, guys. Um, I think that uh, we should be dropping Cummins and Finch. Um, to be honest, if you've got a batting lineup with like Warner and Marsh as your openers, you've got um, Green coming in at three, Stoinis at four, and then bringing Smith at five for, you know, if we're losing a bit of wickets, he can sort of steady the ship. And then you've got Maxwell, David, and Wade, that's, that's a T20 side just there. Every player can hit the boundary with pretty much relative ease, and you've got that steadying hand in Smith in the middle. There's merit to that, absolutely. I think, Glenn, the point you're making as well is that no one's quite got this team at the moment nailed down because you go back to the Indian series that Australia played before the World Cup and Cam Green opened and did a mighty fine job. Uh, he wasn't in the World Cup squad. And that, that obviously changed with Josh Inglis uh, injured. But there hasn't been a lot of certainty about our batting lineup. I think, leading into this tournament. I mean, Finch has dropped down to five in a couple of the, the matches that we saw, warm-up matches. So there hasn't been the stability. When you think of England, I think of Alex Hales, Josh Butler at the top of the order, and they work down from there. I think the Australians are missing that. Yeah, and look, I think that when you look at the, the power at the top, I, I would like to see Green, who was trialled and, and came out and scored runs in the lead-up to the tournament. He was hitting the ball pretty well when it comes to international cricket too in other forms of the game. So uh, for me, Finch is, is easily replaced. I, I think he's liability in the field, and I think that, uh, sadly, he's uh, he's just slowed down uh, to a turtle's pace, and he should be out of the side. So Warner Green at the top, Marsh, uh, Maxwell Stoinis, David, who didn't even get a bat last night. Or a bowl, anything. Or a bowl. But <laughs> but when you consider then, if, if you bring uh, Zampa back into the side, we keep Agar in the team. This is where Cummins goes out. You've got Hazelwood, who bowled beautifully at the start last night. You've got Stark, who's always able to to curl and hoop that ball, uh, particularly in four overs. And then you've got Stoinis, Marsh, and now Green as another few options that you could utilise. So you've got your four main bowlers, Agar, Zampa, Stark, Hazelwood, trying to get four overs out of them. And then you could basically share it around between uh, those other three if you want to. I wouldn't write off Pat Cummins as a T20 bowler, but off the basis of one over at the death. I think he's, with the new ball in hand, he's it's still, not, he's it's still not a the quality. only other. Come on, Mark Warren blokes don't make statements no, no. that they've made today on the back of just one game. No, no, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying that Pat Cummins, you can't deny the fact he is a quality 
fast bowler. Mm. And, and look, I think with a red ball. I th- well, I think with a white ball, he, he's, he's with a new ball. I think he's still one of the one of the better exponents of it. But you're right. There is a question mark over his T20 finishing, and and look, that's why I think Australia has a massive question mark over how far we'll go in this tournament because we don't have a settled side. We don't know what our best lineup is, and we're still not sure even what two three games in. In the lead up to this particular World Cup. We went from World Cup winners yes. to sixth in the ratings going into the tournament. In the lead-up games, we were poor. And in the end, if you keep on picking the same, you'll get the same. Yeah, but hang on a sec, Carl. We were sixth leading into the last World Cup or thereabouts in the rankings, and we've just okay. momentum in T20 cricket takes you a long way. And as Tom Moody told us last night, look, we won. Australia won last night. But were you convinced that that team can can go deep into these finals, given the quality of cricket we've seen from other nations? No. 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 I'm not convinced at all. But that's why you have to be bold. I mean, you need to make some statements. You need to make some change. You need to have some guts to make a few changes. And you actually need to bloody throw a few, you know, a few rocks into the fire and just see what happens. Daryl in Kingsley, g'day. Good evening. Um, I went to the game last night, and I think in terms of uh, considering it was a midweek, midweek, it's a school night, the lateness of the game. I think that's the best in terms of the crowd and the atmosphere that you could have hoped for. In terms of Australia, I just feel like we're, um, we need a, a better plan. I think we should be trying to bat first and, and give scoreboard pressure. The other thing I'd like to see our batters do is actually look for singles and, and twos a bit more rather than just the boundary. Too often we're, we're just giving away drop balls, as was the case last night, and not trying to rotate the strike. So I think the batting plans of our batsmen... Um, sort of needs to change a little bit more, and I like to see a bat first and try and put scoreboard pressure. Yeah, Daryl, I don't disagree. I love, in short form, in fact, in most forms of cricket, batting first. I know that the vagaries of the pitch and the conditions will will determine uh, otherwise, but uh, and particularly in finals, Carl, don't you agree that win the toss, uh, if you get 160, it's on the board. If you get 170, 180, then bonus time. But I, I tend to agree with Daryl. Get a score on the board, and maybe Australians are the Australians are guilty of not pushing the ones and the twos. And we've got so many flamboyant stroke makers like Maxwell, like Stoinis, like um, David uh, Marsh. But do we have someone to craft? Well, the reason why they uh, put them into bat first is because what they were hoping to do is get their run rate up True. by smashing the score. And, but they couldn't do that because the bowling was really good from Sri Lanka. I mean, the quick was absolutely awesome. Hey, Daryl, just going back to last night, hopefully you're still there, but was there more Was there more Sri Lankan fans at the game, you reckon, last night? Because they're the ones I felt that was creating half the atmosphere looking in from the outside on the TV. Absolutely. Um, definitely there was more of a Sri Lankan flavour in the crowd. And as, mm. as we all know, Sri Lankans, India, Pakistan, they all love their cricket. That's their, that's mm. their true love in terms of the, the sporting realm. So there was definitely more of a Sri Lankan flavour last night. But obviously, um, as I said, normally if it was on a, a Friday, Saturday, that, that weekend, I think we would have definitely got more of a crowd and definitely more families coming down. All right, good on you. Well, one thing that I can say, I mean, we've known that the World Cup's been coming for a long time. Uh, there's no doubt that people, if they wanted to, could have purchased tickets. Could have we done it better? It was $5 for children. We went through it last night. Some of the price points, it started about $60. Bucks, um, $30, I think there was a few. Um, but for the most part, they were sort of 80 to $110 as being the most expensive. So uh, it's not like it's a cheap night out, uh, and particularly on a Tuesday night. But as we made reference to, it's similar to what a game of AFL would cost on an, on an adult like-for-like basis in the same sort of spot. I didn't see 
a crowd figure for last night. So I looked this morning, I was doing breakfast radio, I didn't see a crowd figure. But I do know that last Saturday night at the SCG when uh, it was Australia v New Zealand, there were 35,000 people on a Saturday night at the SCG. So if there was criticism about the crowd from the east about what we dished up at Perth Stadium last night, I think that's a little harsh given, uh, as we said, uh, the midweek, uh, the time probably not conducive to getting uh, a, a crowd much bigger than what we had. So I think it was a par crowd for the conditions. Um, but at the end of the day, there will be a sellout and it'll involve India and Pakistan uh, in Perth very shortly, in, in days from but, now. So. But, but I still think that we're a little bit on the nose. I've got that feeling. One double three eight eighty two at six thirty. Join in one double three eight eighty one double three eight eighty two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thanks to Bluebet. Bluebet's uh, slip uh, bet slip integration. It's now available on the new and improved Same Racer app. Gamble responsibly. One eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. More of your calls after this. Sports day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service. You can book at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Plenty of calls coming in, Skate. Yeah, let's go out to Alexander Heights. Uh, Kevin, how are you, Kevin? Yeah, g'day, guys. I'm very good. Uh, just wanted to pick up on uh, the numbers at the, uh, the stadium last night. On Gareth Parker's uh, program yesterday, I don't actually know how it started, but it was a, the question he, I think he asked after a while was, are you going to the game? And the number of people, men and women, who came in and said, this team is stale, this team is arrogant, this team is self-serving and self-centred, and I'm not going to barrack for them and I'm not going to go and watch any matches. I actually shared that view. Uh, I mean, they... they And Mark Ward said they looked like a tired team. Well, that's exactly how I feel. And... and um, I thought it was just a very interesting uh, set of uh, callers on Gareth Parker's program yesterday. Yeah, Kevin, just just ask you, you agree with it. So what is it about this Australian team that you think has them on the nose with us? I mean, they've they've been very competitive. They regained the Ashes. They've won the World Cup recently. Why do you think they are not the flavour of the month? Uh, Look, it's just the way they hold themselves. I mean, even uh, Pat Cummings uh, ditching a linter. Uh, I really felt like asking that guy, well, how does Mrs Cummins cook her food at home? I guess she does it on an electric stove, you know. There's all these sorts of things that are going on. Um, they they don't look like they're enjoying their cricket. Uh, they don't make... They haven't got the sort of the uh, uh, Merv Hughes sort of scallywag uh, look to them. Uh, and, and it's just they're boring. Mm, okay. Boring and no. self-centred. Yeah, Kevin, it's hard because the Australians, I don't think they've been arrogant and anywhere near what we saw going back to the the period when Sandpaper Gate was around and even before that, the sledging. I think they've become, under Pat Cummings, to be brutally honest, a fairly well-behaved team. I won't criticise them on that front. And look, I think Pat Cummings is a decent human being, a very good cricketer, uh, whether he's on the wrong side of public favour at the moment because of his utterances about um, sponsorship for Cricket Australia and whether that has an impact on the perception of this team remains to be seen. Join in, one double three eight eighty two to Jerry in Westminster. G'day, Jerry. Yeah, g'day, boys. How you doing? Good. Um, Skeet, I've got to disagree with you just on your last comment. But just watching the nine coverage on TV, I wasn't at the game. But it was very strange atmosphere to me and a feeling within the team. That you, could, you, could, you could feel and see the tension and there was even angst between some of the players um, in the field in particular. 
And um, I, there was just a funny feel about it. As I said to your producer before he put me on hold there, uh, it was like the Clayton's Australian football team. It's the Australian cricket team. It's the cricket team you have when you're not having a cricket team. They're no, they're no longer uh, committed, all uh, focused on the same thing. They're all hanging on to their spots. There's it, it, just terrible... There's not... You know, if Stoinis didn't come in and did what he did, they wouldn't have walked away with a win last night, in my opinion. And uh, it, there was something very strange about it. And I know that you're owned by Channel 9 at 6PR there, but even their coverage seemed a bit plastic to me to try and build it up to make it exciting. And, you know, before the match and during the match, they did Well, we've got best. to do that, Jerry. We, it's, a, it's even like when we call a game of AFL. I mean, Skeet and I have the uncanny knack of trying to make what's crap sound exciting, Jerry, because that's what you're meant to do, yeah. right? Hey, let's be honest, the, the commentators were from Fox. Yes. So, so it's a mix of world coverage and, and obviously nine the host broadcaster. So, yeah, look, Jerry's... I, I wasn't at the Let's game. Let's his point. Yeah, but, absolutely. But, but I saw exactly a little bit of what Jerry's talking about. I mean, particularly when Finch... Frustrated. Frustrated. But did you see him in the field? Yeah. Mate, Mate seriously? Have you not seen Alan Border when he got... Look. Nah, but... No, yeah, but but he's 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 finished. Like, like what I saw last night of, of of the way that he was in the field, and yes, I can see he's trying to get through this World Cup. Mate, you've got to earn your spot. He didn't earn it in the field, and he didn't earn it when he had his bat in his hand. In fact, he looked like he was a man so far out of form, it's not funny. That's why I said... He cannot play in the next game. He cannot play. He will play. He'll play the rest of the tournament, Carl. I'm just uh, telling you what's going to happen. because yeah, they'll be gutless, and no, they'll no. play him, they'll pick him because he's captain. That's they'll do it. Exactly like Mike Brealey was captain of the yeah. England cricket team. They pick the captain first, and then pick around him. But I do agree with you. And I said, after he retired from one-day international cricket, how come then suddenly he's good enough, because his form was no good in, in the one-day's 50-over format, why is it good enough to play... In the short form. Uh, I can tell form. you the match uh, tonight between New Zealand and Afghanistan has been abandoned without a ball being bowled. Oh, what are, you in, are we in England now, are we? Uh, it's been amazing, the weather, the hasn't weather. it? raining everywhere. Uh, unfortunately for a lot of people who have uh, basically been inundated with water on the East Coast. Uh, as we head to Kev in Ferndale, I don't know what Kev reckons. What do you reckon, Kev? Yeah, um, I agree with all your previous callers. Also, with my um, situation, I rang on uh, Wednesday morning. I rang Ticketek, and I need accessible seating. You wouldn't believe where they put me, up on level five, having to climb stairs. And so how did you negotiate that? Well, quite difficult, because difficult. I have in the past, wasn't it Optus, it was at Subiaco, I fell down the stairs and busted my ankle. Ooh. So did you get in the lift? Did you go no, in the lift? That, yeah? Yeah, I did. But mm. then to get to my seat, I had mm. to negotiate two flights of stairs. Yeah, now, right. That's so so you're not in a wheelchair or anything like that? Yeah. They could be no longer right to selling tickets. So, Kevin, you're not in a wheelchair, though, or anything like that, mate. You're still able to walk, yeah? No, 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 I'm not. I'm right. on crutches. Yep. But that's why I can't go up and down stairs mm. of, look, look, of my past. Yeah. Um. I, I, I think... And look, from from my perspective anyway, I mean, if that's the way it is for you, Kevin, you'd need those crutches to get around and to make your way to an area, then uh, that could be something that, 
um, if you actually state that up front, that could be orchestrated because I have actually have seen people in similar sorts of scenarios be able to be seated in an area which they don't then have to go through that process because you can understand uh, the situation that Kev found himself in last night. Yeah, hopefully uh, that gets resolved for you, Kevin, next time you, you go back to the cricket or to a sporting event. It's just dawned on me. Hmm. The Australians, you mentioned they didn't have the passion. They don't have the, that fire in the belly. You know why? Because we're comparing it to what we saw on Sunday night at the MCG where every one of those 22 players that walked onto the field for Pakistan and India, that meant life and death to them in, in, a, in a cricket sense. That was, that was the most important match of their lives on that night, for that day. I mean, don't you feel that, or didn't you sense that with uh, the fans, the players, and then you come back and watch the Australian-Sri Lanka game, it... It had, you know, a lot of fizzle well, at the MCG. What and, about and the night before when they played Australia and New Zealand? When they played the night before and we got absolutely pasted. I'm just saying that the atmosphere and the, the enthusiasm, it's just so hard to come from that massive high to anything after that, I including the it. final. I get it, but for me, after they copped what they copped from New Zealand and then they head west and we, we know what the equation was. They won. Net, their net run rate, their net run rate though is still Low. Very bad. It was minus 4.42, the lowest of any team in the competition yep. because they got belted worse than any other team in the competition. They they win the toss. They send the opposition in. They keep them down to a reasonable total. And then basically the run chase started with Warner and Finch particularly not getting near it. Well, 137 after 19 overs, if they keep them to 140-ish, uh, then they can improve, Im- improve their net run rate significantly. But, of course, the Pat Cohen's over didn't help. End of the day, Carl, all you can do uh, at this stage of the tournament for Australia, having lost the warm-up matches, beaten, thrashed by New Zealand, is win. And that's what they've done. I'm just going to give them another chance on Friday night, although I think England a far more complete T20 side at the moment. All right. Uh, well, Tasmania, uh, they need 26 runs from eight balls uh, to beat Victoria. They've got a wicket in hand, so that ain't going to happen. So Victoria going to win the Marsh One Day Cup match that is being played tonight. Alistair Clarkson returns to work tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Sorry, not tomorrow, November 1. I correct myself, November 1, which is like Chris Fagan. So North Melbourne made a statement today around uh, the same as what uh, Brisbane announced yesterday. So, in that essence, uh, both coaches will get back to work, and I know there's going to be a, a real cloud over their shoulder as to how they're going to negotiate uh, until that investigation is completed or when they have to go and give evidence themselves. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult to, to see how that operates at, can- at the Kangaroos and the Brisbane Lions in a in a fluid manner. But uh, they're very experienced uh, operators in football, and hopefully... Alistair and, and Chris can get back to work and the players, once they do return from uh, their pre-season break, can get themselves stuck in as per normal. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. So you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service centre. Matty Wade was going to join us, but he's crook on the flight back. Is so that a story? The, yeah, that's it. Well, it is the story. Yeah, mm. that's why he's uh, sent me a message and uh, I've spoken to Cole, so it's genuine. It's not a made-up story, Skeet. I'm not trying to <laughs> uh, steer down the wrong path here, mate. So that, that's genuine. So that might be a little bit more evolved uh, tomorrow as he has a little sleep. Let's hope he's okay. Tommy Hawkins, meanwhile, had some surgery on a foot. He'll be available early 2023. And Oleg Markov is de- being delisted from the Gold Coast. We'll take a break. Back soon. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. And thanks to Barbecue Galore, you can go to iCanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown Barbecue this summer. You can go, as I said, to iCanWin.com.au and a bloke will be looking to win, uh, particularly after what happened uh, last season is Ryan Petrick. He is the coach of our Perth Lynx. The WNBL season was launched today and it's fantastic to have Ryan back on the program. Welcome, mate. How you been? 
Yeah, good boys. Carl, Mark, how are we? Yeah, we're going all right, mate. Are you looking forward to the season getting underway? Because I see that you're going to lead it off on November 2, a Wednesday, 6.30 against the Boomers. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a long time coming, especially this is year three for me now. And obviously the first two years were COVID affected. So this is the first pre-season, so to speak, that's actually kind, kind of gone to plan. And uh, we're looking forward to playing somewhat of a normal season back in Perth. Recruit-wise, can you tell us about what Amy Atwell, Robbie Ryan and Chloe Bibby bring to the table? Uh, they can all shoot. They can all absolutely really shoot the ball um, and really fill in around the team in terms of... Um, we think Lauren Scherf's as good a big as there is in the competition and clearly everyone knows Sammy Whitcomb's as good, if not the best player in the comp. So uh, Chloe, Robbie and Amy have all got a job to fill in around that. Um, all three of them can really play in their own right. Robbie is a really crafty guard. He can get her feet in the paint whenever she wants. Chloe Bibby essentially replaces Darcy Garvin, um, can really space and shoot the ball from the three-point line. And then uh, Amy Atwell is a West Aussie kid who's come out from college, had a stint with the LA Sparks in the off-season. Uh, and again, another guard who can really fill it up from deep. Now, Lauren Scherf, uh, the way that she's speaking, mate, she is out for vengeance after getting so close to her first championship since 1992. Yeah, no, she's uh, she's an absolute ripper, and she's been tearing up pre-season as well. Um, the system this year, obviously, without Jackie, without Marina, uh, much more focused on Lauren and Sam from last season, uh, and she's just been lighting up in the off-season. Um, we think she's as good a big as there is in the competition. Clearly, we speak with some bias, but... She's been killing it, and yeah, she, uh, as you said, she wants to go out and really hurt some teams this season. You mentioned Sammy Whitcomb. How refreshed is she, or how much work has she done? Uh, do you have to manage her workload after after what's been a, a pretty busy 2022? Yeah, it's been. It was funny. It's been a really weird like patch for her in terms of she's come from the WNBA playoffs straight into Opals camp, into that grueling World Cup campaign. Um, and obviously her body would have just been wrecked after doing that process and then has had three weeks off totally in terms of she went to Bali. She, her first session back on court with us was essentially today. Um, so has come back with a beautiful tan, um, as brown as I've ever seen her, but obviously she just always keeps herself in really good nick. Like she would have been in the gym for three or four hours a day, even while she's in Bali. So she always turns up in great shape. Um, it's just managing her minutes and her load uh, as she gets to the twilight of her career. Now, when is your skipper going to be announced? Because I see that everyone else uh, was there today, or all the captains were, except for uh, yours. Yeah, well, in, as I said before, in fact, we actually haven't had Lauren Scherf and Timmy Whitcomb in the same room together yet. Right. So Scherf has been at every pre-season training session we've had, mm -hmm. but obviously Sam has been off with the Opal stuff and then obviously off on holiday trying to recuperate. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Sam came back today, but then Scherf, he had to go to Melbourne for the season launch. So the first time they'll be in a room together will be on Friday morning. Uh, and I imagine we'll announce our captain pretty shortly after that. Wednesday, November 2, as uh, mentioned, grand final rematch against the Boomers. Do you actually cast your mind back or have a look at what transpired um, all those months ago? Or you put that in the shelf and, and look for a new way to, to, to win the match given the ch personnel changes? Yeah, I generally look at the new. Um, I don't try and dwell on the past too much. Certainly, um, if and when you win big finals, you obviously watch them again and again and again. Um, in terms of the losing stuff, we, we watch it in the short term and then move on pretty quick. And then this is a bit of a different off-season in that they've changed their coach as well. So obviously they've got some personnel differences this season. They've lost probably the two best players in McBegger and Allen. 
And then obviously we lost Mabry and Young. So both teams are vastly different and they've also got a different coach. So the jerseys will be similar. Um, obviously some of the pieces will be the same, but it's a very much a new season. And if we come out and win by 100 or lose by 100, no one's taking last year's championship off them. So new season, start again. Uh, there's a few new innovations that were revealed today. Uh, the WNBL show, uh, it's going to have a rotating roster of players to provide in-depth summaries and preview of each round. And there's going to be themed rounds. So certainly some steps forward. And look, back to 84 games is certainly going to be a little bit different to what we've experienced, as you've already said, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, as you said, all, all the stuff I announced today is great uh, and it really isn't obviously the, the it's a great league and the more we can promote it the better clearly um, but as you said before it's just especially for us in Perth we've had six home games in two years so we're just trying to get back to normality so to speak in terms of a real season for us and going on a road trip and playing one game and knowing you can get on a plane to come home two days later that's probably the highlight of our of our season um, obviously all the new innovations are great but just getting to some kind of normality is a major positive for us. In terms of the profile and credibility of the WNBL, Lauren Jackson with the Southside Flyers, uh, that's huge and obviously you're hoping uh, if there's a match schedule for Perth that the crowds will come out and she'll certainly pull some some uh, legs and, and, and bodies through uh, the turnstiles. Oh, she'll absolutely put bums on seats, um, as we said before. Clearly as good a player as the country's ever produced and to come back and play after obviously what she went through um, just, I don't, I just, I don't understand. I'm, we're both 41 from memory. I think she's the same age as I, and I, I don't even, I can't even think about running from down the floor. And clearly, I was nowhere near that level, but my body couldn't handle that in the best of times. Um, so how she's been able to do it and come back is an absolute credit to her. Clearly, a living legend of the game. Um, and you're right, everywhere she goes in the country will be a sellout because she's as good as the country's ever produced. Well, the worst part is, is that you're going to have to try and tear her down and try to uh, curb her influence because I reckon she's going to be fairly handy, Ryan. Thank you very much for your time tonight, mate. We'll leave you with that challenge and look forward to seeing you in action on November 2, mate. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks always, guys. That's when it'll tip off the season for our Perth Lynx grand final rematch between the Boomers and the Lynx, and it will be a great game. As we clear a commitment, on the other side, we'll come back and tell you what's coming up after the 7 o'clock news next. Thanks to Bluebet. Bluebet's bet slip integration is now available on the new and improved Same Race app. Gamble responsibly. one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. Back soon. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Now, after the news, we will have plenty coming your way. We'll have a chat to Luke Travers from our Perth Wildcats. Jed Buzzlinger, an aspiring potential AFL drafter who's been playing for the East Perth Football Club. Mark Bosnich has always got plenty to say around the world game and we'll do some green to green with Mark Allen. So looking forward to having a yak to all of those wonderful people. After the 7 o'clock news, it's coming up next here on 882 6PR for Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage, Cars of the Year. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Let's kick off this hour with a great guest, and we are here to get behind our Perth Wildcats this season. You head to tickertech.com.au right now. One of the blokes you'll see starring out on the court is Luke Travers from our Perth Wildcats, and he joins us here on Sports Day. Luke, welcome, mate. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've been chatting at uh, at length in the last few nights here on the program because we've had someone to chat to from the team. And uh, with regard to the last uh, couple of games that you've played, uh, what do you reckon's gone wrong? 
Uh, I think it's maybe just a bit of complacency, um, just sort of maybe getting too caught up in the other team and what they're doing and stuff rather than focusing on ourselves, which has been a good uh, focus for us this week and to yeah, get back to what we're doing best is something that we're uh, definitely looking forward to showing out this week and um, it's been yeah, a really, really good week. That loss to the Jack Jumpers, was that the worst in your time at the club in terms of the result, the margin, just the, the way you went about it or do you think that scoreline didn't truly reflect the match? Uh, no, I definitely think it's probably, yeah, the worst. Um, I think there was just no, even coming from myself as well, there was no real fight behind, uh, when we, yeah, went down and, um, yeah, it was obviously one to quickly forget about, but also learn from those sort of mistakes. Now you had 12 points yourself, eight rebounds, two assists against the Jack Jumpers, but that doesn't mean much when you, you lost and you lose as you did. Um, Talk us through your season so far, averaging 11 points, six rebounds, four assists, your time over in the States and your time playing for the Boomers. Let's start with Cleveland and, and what that experience did for you, Luke. Uh, I know you've been back for a little while, though. Yeah, I think that was just a real eye-opener for me to uh, finally experience that. And it's been a, a lifelong dream is to yeah get drafted into the NBA and then have that sort of experience. So, um, yeah, that was a, a really cool uh, things to get out of the way and I think from then on it's just given me a lot of confidence um, from there and um, yeah, just looking to, to build on that. What happens though Luke, given that you were picked uh, with pick 56 overall, how does it work then with Cleveland? Um, do you just you know bide your time back here in Australia until they pull the trigger? How does it work? Yeah, it's pretty much that. I just come back and keep developing my game and keep doing the right things that they want me to do um, and then Whenever they think the time is right, yeah, they'll pull the trigger. And, um, yeah, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, but also trying to win a championship with the Wildcats is um, a really big goal of mine as well. And playing in that summer league, what was the standard like? And then, of course, Skeet did uh, ask you the question around your time with the national team with the Boomers, um, you know, rubbing shoulders with the very best in our country. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, both were really cool. Uh, obviously, the NBA is a completely different ball game with the spacing and some of the rules they have there. So that, I think that's only going to benefit my game being there. But, um, yeah, as for the boomers, that's obviously every kid's dream is to represent Australia playing basketball. And I think it's become such a big thing for, for kids as well, just seeing the culture that's been built there. Um, so to, yeah, finally have that experience as well is, another dream come true and yeah lucky enough to get to do it again soon the good part is about you mate is that you are a local west australian a willerton boy a young kid who's been growing up the game has been able to uh, be broadcast into our world it was something that was very different to when skeet and i were young blokes and um all of a sudden it gave you more sports to play i'm sure you know because there's always opportunity in wa to play whatever you like right yeah, for sure. And I think growing up, basketball was the last sport I started playing. <laughs> um, I played golf, AFL, soccer, t-ball, pretty much everything. And then I picked up the basketball at about 11 years old. Um, just going down, watching my brother play, I sort of yeah fell in love with it from there and haven't really looked back since. Luke, when it comes to your time with various coaches over the past two or three seasons, is there an element of your game that you've been told or you know that you have to work on to, to take you to that next level? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, a big theme for, for me this year as well. And I feel like I've been able to sort of um, 
um, yeah, do a better job of it is just talk, uh, communication. Obviously, I'm a, everyone sort of says I'm a quiet guy, um, but coming out in the court and coming into my own, I think this year has definitely been a, a big transfer of that, um, just being a lot more confident as a person as well. So uh, that's definitely been a big thing for me. But then obviously on the court skill-wise, obviously just still shooting. Um, but that's, yeah, I think that's come a long way um, from where it was last year as well. Mate, listen to you tonight. I mean, it's not like you're shy, hiding in a corner, you're talking. You know, some would say when you're six foot seven that it takes a little bit longer to get the message through. But uh, no, you're going pretty good tonight, mate. And uh, Skeet, I heard a little rumour. Yes, that rumour. Now, you and there's another Luke that's made some headlines yeah. over the summer uh, in the AFL sphere. You and Luke Jackson, uh, tell us if there's a, a friendship and if so, where that transpired. Yeah, uh, obviously he's uh, one of my best mates. Um, growing up, we both went to Willow High School, um, and it pretty much started from there. We obviously played against each other basketball um, a little bit before that, but I mean, as soon as we got to, to Willow High, it just sort of clicked from there, and um, pretty much been best mates ever since. So um, I want to say, yeah, good six, seven years now, um, and it's been yeah, it's really cool to have him um, in my corner as well because obviously with what he's doing, we can always uh, reach out to each other and stuff and just talk about um, yeah, certain things in professional sports and uh, that's definitely handy to have. And so when it comes to Willow High and maybe the statue or the, the little ornament uh, addressing the most famous in the last decade, who's in front at this point? Um, yeah, I don't know. You might have to, yeah, you can uh, settle that debate between <laughs> everyone else, but... Um, yeah, at this point, I'll probably give it to him for now. One thing that I do know, Skeet, is at least these two can have an eye-to-eye conversation. Um, if uh, if it's <laughs> us, I'm going to get a broken neck looking up at both of you, I've got to say. So, uh, look, what about uh, this weekend, mate? Obviously, you've got to get back on the winner's board. Uh, South East Melbourne Phoenix, Friday night, 6.30 start. Uh, we're encouraging as many people to get behind you as we can here, getting behind your Wildcats. Uh, head to tickertech.com.au right now. But what's the focus going to be between now and Friday, mate? Oh uh, yeah, obviously they're rolling. Um, yeah, a couple of wins in a row, and they've got a full healthy team now. But um, also we do as well at this point. So um, it's going to be a very good game. Uh, but like I said, we're just going to try to get back to our brand of basketball. Um, and yeah, I think the results will take care of itself if we do the right things and play hard and stuff like that. And then yeah, hopefully yeah, back in the winners column. Good work, mate. Uh, the more you keep talking, the better you'll get at it. So we're we're, we're welcome to have you back any time at all. All right, mate. Awesome, thank you. Good on you. Luke Travis, Perth Wildcat, uh, talks a very good game, Skeet, and uh, obviously been strutting his stuff out there on the court and has made some giant strides in the last couple of years. Yes, spoke really well, and uh, you talk about the NBA, one of the big games today, the defending champions, the Golden State Warriors, going down to the Phoenix Suns, 134-105, to and I'm sure Luke would be keeping a close eye on that match and others, including the Cleveland Cavaliers, of which he spent some time over the summer. We'll clear a commitment on the other side. Jed Buzzlinger will join us next. Potential AFL draftee here on Sports. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. And Jed Buslinger joins us here on Sports Day. Let's hope that he gets drafted. He's been strutting his stuff down there at the East Perth Football Club. And he is one of the leading defenders. Well, that's what we're being told anyway, Mark Reddings, as we welcome Jed into the program. Welcome, mate. How you going? Thanks very much for having me. I'm really good, thank you. Now, before we jump into talking shop and what you've been up to this footy season, uh, just tell us about your background, mate, where you've strutted your stuff growing up. Yeah, so I uh, 
first started playing footy when I was four at the Kubinia Bombers and played there until um, until I was in year 10 and won a grand final there and then uh, moved on to school footy for Trinity in the PSA um, and played there for three years and then um, and then to East Perth Colts and, and a bit of league footy um, this year. Always knew I liked something about you, Jed, being a Trinity boy, uh, upstanding young man. But uh, I have watched a bit of your Colts action, and uh, obviously a key defender. You've got the height in that department. Is that been very much part of your junior career playing down back? Um, probably not. Last year was my first year as a, as a real defender. Um, before that, I played probably everywhere on the ground, really, um, mainly as a key forward, but um, a fair bit in the ruck, and then sometimes as a midfielder as well. So. Um, defending's probably pretty new to me, but um, I think it suits me best down back, and um, I love it down there. One thing that I've been looking at, mate, is uh, your numbers in the Colts, uh, 26-22, 26-21, taking you know, 6 to 11 marks a game. Been finding plenty of the footy. Yeah, it's probably um, one of my strengths of mine, sort of being able to um, read the game pretty well and um, try and help out my teammates as much as possible in the air. So, um yeah, it's probably something that I, that I like, getting my hands on the footy and trying to use it out of the back half as, as best I can. Going back a decade, Jed, now talk us through this story. You were, what an honour, the 2012 Oz Kicker of the Year, went to Melbourne for the Sydney Hawthorne Grand Final. You got to meet Adam Goods and also Joel Selwood, which, of course, developed into a, a friendship of sorts. Can you talk us through that experience? Yeah, so um, I was pretty fortunate when I was um, eight years old that my mum entered me into a competition um, and was lucky enough to win it. So, um, yeah, I got to have Joel Selwood as my mentor and um, for a whole year, and then um, I sort of loved footy and got to um, keep that friendship going for until today and always can flick him a message when I, whenever I want and he'll match, you know, um, that I'm playing in a big game. So, yeah, that friendship's been going on and was fortunate enough to give Adam Goods um, his premiership medal in 2012, which is uh, something that I'll never forget. That's on a bad uh, Quinella there, two superstars of the game. Now, how are you placed with uh, anxiety or, or nerves? Probably a bit early for that, but uh, you go to the, the National Combine and, and now the, the countdown begins very much until the end of November and, and draft day. Yeah, it's, uh, I've still got a fair bit on. i um, uh, got ex- got university exams to come, so that's my main focus at the moment, trying to keep my, um, keep my brain off thinking about um, the draft, but um, it is probably the biggest thing for me this year, so it's pretty hard to avoid, but I'm still not really sure. I have no indications where I'm going to go, so that's all pretty exciting, and, and um, I'm sure Kitney, if the name gets called out, it'll probably hit me then. All-Australian selection, you played some league footy for your football club, so I think that's a testament to your good form. Uh, I believe you had some shoulder surgery. How's that? Yeah, it's been going well. Um, yeah, I had to have shoulder surgery um, in the middle of July, just um, halfway through the state championships, was, which was unfortunate that I wasn't able to um, continue the whole championships, but um, something that I had to get done, which will hopefully help me in the long-term um, career if I'm fortunate enough to have one. So um, it's all tracking really well, and, and the surgeon was really happy with it, and the physio is really happy with how it's going, so um, all looking pretty well at this stage. Now, mate, I'm uh, reading here that you're about 196, 197. Uh, you're still growing, mate. Have you stopped? No, I think I think I've just about stopped now. I've uh, 
yeah, been growing for a while now, but I think it's, yeah, finally probably that's the maximum. <laughs> In terms of AFL clubs having reached out or, or had a, a chat to you, are they numerous or has that not been something you've been involved in just yet? Um, yeah, I've spoken to um, all except two, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's been pretty cool to be a part of, just talking to all the AFL clubs. But, um, yeah, don't really have an indication from any of them that they're too keen or, or yeah, won't say too much. So just have to wait and see. Give us an insight into what do they ask you? Uh, it's more so just about getting to know you. I haven't, um, I know a lot of other boys have um, questions that are quite hard to answer and um, have to think about. But mine have, all my interviews have just been about getting to know me and what I'm like as a person, what I get up to, um, and just a bit about footy as well. But all, all pretty relaxing, chill stuff. And do some of those conversations happen at the AFL draft combine along with all the testing, or has that been sort of separate to all that? Yeah, a bit of both. So um, leading up to the combine um, throughout the whole year, pretty much just based on how you're playing clubs, we'll get in, get in contact with you and uh, have an interview. But then also um, there's two allocated days at the National Combine purely for, for interviews with clubs if they request to have you. So, um, yeah, had a fair few of those over the two days. Spoke to Elijah Hewitt last night about playing some league footy and how advantageous that was against mature-aged men heading into, hopefully, the AFL. Did you get the same feeling that that might stand you in good stead, having played a bit against the big boys? Yeah, I think um, that'll be pretty um, important and will help me along the way in my journey. Um, yeah, just the, the game increasing and, and playing against bigger bodies, I think it was really good for me this year. Um, and, and proving to myself that I can match it against the bigger boys, even though I am still quite skinny. So, um, you know, if I am on an AFL list next year, I'll, I'll love to play um, AFL. But if not, I'll be in the VFL or the Waffle. So um, I think that'll hold me in good stead in um, already giving me a bit of knowledge about what it's like. Yeah, VFL or the Waffle, because we know that uh, all the teams up in Queensland and uh, and New South Wales are also playing in that VFL competition these days. So uh be interesting to see how that uh, goes, mate. Uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Nice to chat and good luck. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate that. Good on you. Jed Buslinger here on Sports Day, 197, 85 kilos, 18 years of age, called Binya is where he came from, strutted his stuff at East Perth and is one of the big key defenders, rated very highly too by a lot around the country, Skeet. And it's looking like that we're going to get somewhere between having a chat to a few of the talent managers about the place, Kevin Sheehan, who we spoke to on this program, that's somewhere between 10 and 12 West Aussies are are going to feature very strongly in the upcoming draft. Yeah, well, 12 went across to the AFL draft combine. And look, there's, there's players... Maybe two years ago, Darcy Jones, diminutive but quick and skillful. You know, he's suddenly come into his own with some of his testing, uh, which has been elite over there. So, yeah, I think you're right. Up to a dozen to go into the AFL system, which would be a good result. Thanks for your company. We are here thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. Mark Bosnich always got plenty to say. He's our football analyst. We'll talk the world game next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. We are here thanks to Mate. Make the switch to Mate Internet and Mobile. And a man that joins us, he's a football analyst, panellist, co-host with Stan Sports. His name is Mark Bosnich and he joins us here on Sports Day. Bosnich, welcome, mate. How you been? 
Good, thanks, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, we're going very, very well indeed. Now, Lionel Messi, yeah. mate, 35 years old, 11 goals, 11 assists this season. Uh, parents, St. Germain, win 7-2. Uh, unbelievable, yeah. really. Well, yeah, it was a fantastic result. I mean, they're capable of doing that because of the players that they have. Um, and you mentioned about Messi and his stats this season. He has been outstanding. Last season, he was a little bit off, but he did have COVID. Uh, and you mentioned that he didn't feel quite the same. Uh, for quite some time, which a lot of people are experiencing. But uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they changed their manager. they got a chap called Christophe uh, Gautier in, and he seems to have found a system that, uh, that suited all the stars that he's got at hand. It's a very difficult balancing act it is when you've got so many big players in their team. And the 7-2 defeat guaranteed them a, a place in the, um, in the knockout stages, as well as Benfica, uh, second season on the trot, the trot that they've gone through, who defeated Juventus 4-3. It will be absolutely devastated. They're going to be missing the uh, the knockout stages, and they've got to make sure in the last game, Juventus, that uh, that they equal the result that Maccabi Haifa do uh, to make sure they secure third place to get into the Europa League. But that that was a huge upset, you have to say, um, that uh, that Benfica have done what they've done. But bottom line is, like this is two seasons on the trot that Benfica have, uh, have qualified from a very tough group, and congratulations must go to them. I think everyone acknowledges Ange Postacoglu has done a terrific job with Celtic, but they have finished bottom of Group F. How will this yeah. be judged, this performance, albeit in the top echelon? Yeah, uh, look, I, I think there will be there will be a mixed reaction. Um, there will be some um, which I'm probably leaning a little bit more towards, um, definitely saying that it's a learning experience for them. Um, they've had five seasons out uh, from the Champions League. The last time I actually won a game in the Champions League was back in 2017. So, uh, you know, you, you can't come into the, uh, you know, to the hardest competition in, in club football in the world and expect to sort of just go straight away, which understandable because of the football that they played last season underneath him, that the fans sort of got really, really excited. But um, it, it, they've learned that at the top level that you have to adjust certain things. Um, and one of those things is that, you know, they like to play at a tremendous pace, whether it be attacking or defending. And against quality players, you start, you know, you, you start charging quality players. They're just going to pass around you, and you can only keep that up for so long. Uh, they'll be disappointed that they, that they didn't at least win this game, which would have given them a chance of coming third, uh, like I said, and getting into the Europa League, kind of what I said about Juventus. Um, but uh, they're going to have to look at it as a learning experience and, and to realise that you know, week in, week out in Scotland, with the exception perhaps against Rangers, who also got beat 7-1 uh, two match, uh, last match day against Liverpool, um, that uh, they're going to have to adjust their game a little bit when they come up against the big boys in the European competition. But they didn't look out of place, and they played some, some really good football in patches. Um, but they're just going to look at it as a process and decide where they want to go um, because attracting the, the, the better players there right now from a wage perspective, I mean, their wage bill is probably comparable to a team that's in the top half of the championship. So that's the second tier in England. Uh, it's going to be a difficult job. What they've got to look out for is young and emerging talent anywhere around the world and get them before somebody else gets them. Uh, and I think that will help them. Hey, Bozzy, you mentioned Liverpool. We look at the Premier League, and they're struggling at the moment, Arsenal on top. Uh, interesting to look at the the storyline around Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United, who, of course, yeah. uh, he has back training with the, the main squad, but yeah. it doesn't seem like this is going to be a marriage that's going to last for too much longer. Well, it doesn't, but you never know in football. You know, they say a week's a long time in politics. In football, a day is. Now... Um, the situation, if, if those who are listening um, and are not familiar with, uh, there was a game against Tottenham uh, in the midweek, last midweek, uh, and uh, he was told to warm up several times. And by the 89th minute, um, obviously something snapped inside of him and he walked off and went home. 
um, which is, is not defendable. There's no doubt about that. But what I will say on, on his side is that, um, you know, I think that basically he was promised things. And again, this is only my assumption and my opinion. He was obviously promised things at the start of the season, which he doesn't seem to see that that's being fulfilled. Doesn't excuse what he, what he did, because that doesn't really enhance his case whatsoever, and especially in the eyes of the, of the vast majority of fans as well. Um, but something's got to be worked out because it's taken away from what Eric Ten Hag is actually doing. He's, he's doing a really good job. He's slowly building uh, the team up to a, to a point where they can be serious challenges for the title. I think right now at this moment in time, uh, where they are um, just sort of points to the fact, I mean, they're sitting sixth on the table, eight points off the lead. But the, the most important thing will them to be get, to get back into the Champions League. So I don't think they'll be serious title contenders. Um, but the most important thing for them is to keep on the road that they've started. And, uh, and in terms of Cristiano Ronaldo, I think he's got an important part to play in that. Um, but the bottom line is you cannot keep an unhappy player, no matter what the sport is in that dressing room. Anyone who's been that close will testify to that. And it may be that, uh, that in January that they come to terms and, uh, and part ways. But from a personal perspective, I love Cristiano Ronaldo. I believe he's the greatest player of all time. And I really do hope that he stays uh, also at my old club, Manchester United, as well, and help them. Uh, to maybe go on and win the Europa League or, or get into the top four. I, I think that that would be really fitting. If you've just joined us here on Sports Day, we are chatting to Mark Bosnich, a football analyst and co-host with Stan Sports. Hey, Bos, have there been already so many managers that have copped it in the neck, been yeah. sacked? Yeah. Um, stability is something that is always paramount, I think, when it comes to successful yeah. sporting organisations. Do you feel that, yeah. I don't know, in, in, in this world, it seems to, it's not something that's new. It happens a lot. No. Uh, what's well, your... it, it does. It, it's a very good point you made about stability. So from my own personal experience, I, I saw what uh, the results of stability can do when uh, when I was a young boy at Manchester United and they stuck by Sir Alex Ferguson um, through a very tough period around in 1989-90. And he won the FA Cup at the end of that year and, and basically the rest is history. But if you look at someone like, you know, Roman Abramovich when he came to Chelsea in 2003 and obviously only sold, up, sold the club up what at, at the beginning of, of, of this year... Um, you know, he had he had probably more managers than anyone, but they were the most successful club domestically in terms of trophies won, uh, both in England and abroad, than any other club. So there's always, you know, two ways of looking at something. I think, you know, you've got to judge each case individually. Now, we've seen Steven Gerrard basically being, you know, uh, you know sacked after less than a year at Aston Villa. But talking to a lot of Aston Villa supporters, they were saying, you know, we, you know, forget about the results. We actually couldn't see any way forward. Um, but no one's going to know that because uh, they made the change. So in, in the days, in, in, in like I said, gone by, perhaps the financial pressure wasn't as great as it is now as well. Um, and especially if you get into the Premier League, um, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, the richest, you know, I think along with the NFL, the richest sporting league in the world. And if teams like Aston Villa who have just come up in 2019 sort of can see things that maybe they might go back down, um, you know, the sooner they make the change, the better. The other thing to take in, in, to bear into mind, and this is not to do with Aston Villa because I actually don't know this, but um, just like I was talking about having unhappy eggs as players in the dressing room, if a manager or coach, whatever you want to call it, loses the dressing room, regardless of the, the reasons behind it, the manager may be in the right, but it's very, very easy uh, in comparison to changing the whole team just to change the manager. And, uh, and I think that's, that's got a massive bearing on the decisions that boards take these days. Finally, Mark, when you hear the term group of death, uh, that's not uh, a wonderful sign for a football <laughs> team. Uh, the Matildas have got that title next to their name for the Women's World Cup. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a group of death. I, I, I think that people are just saying that to sort of to maybe to, to sort of, you know, from a psychological point of view to make it out to be a little bit harder than it actually is. They should qualify. Whether they qualify in first place or second, um, that's a different story, but they should qualify from that group with, without too much bother. Thank you very much for your time, mate. We appreciate it. Take care. Take care, and then see you all tomorrow morning live on Stanford at 5.30 with Max Russell and Craig Foster. Our main game is Barcelona versus Bayern Munich, but that could actually be a dead rubber if at 3.45 Inter Milan happens to beat Pilsen at home, and that will mean for the second consecutive season that Barcelona will not be qualifying for the knockout stage, which should be absolutely huge. Yeah, well, it's all right for you at uh, 5.35. It's 2.35 our time, mate, in the <laughs> West, so uh, I'll make sure that uh, we get... Yeah. Oh, well, that's, well, that's right. I'll have a little snooze and get up. Set the alarm. I stayed up for the, I stayed up for the cricket last night. That was, you know, 10 o'clock our time. It was the first ball was bowled against Sri Lanka. Yeah, so stay up. 1 o'clock. But it's not just go, you can just go on Sam Sports. The replays are there. <laughs> the mini matches, the highlights, everything. Hey, uh, hey Boz, back in your heyday, 1 a.m., that was like an early night, wasn't it? Well, exactly. Well, you know, everyone's different. Some people like to get up early. Other people like that, they don't like that. They like to stay up late. I was in the, in the latter group. Yeah? Yeah, don't worry. We were the same. Uh, that was a, a little while ago now. So watch every match of the UEFA Champions League, the UEFA Europa League, and the UEFA Europa Conference League on Stan Sport. And as Boz has said, uh, but 2.35 a.m. Western Standard Time tomorrow, Barcelona and Bayern, yep. and then Man United and uh, Sheriff. That's right, on Friday at 2.35. That's on Friday morning, correct, in the Europa League, exactly right. Yep. Brilliant, mate. Take care. Take care, gentlemen. And you can start your free trial uh, today. You visit stan.com.au forward slash football. All thanks to Mate 5G mobile plans in every territory and state. Why wait? Make the switch to Mate. We'll clear a commitment, come back. And Marco Allen will join us. Plenty of uh, big names been announced to join the fields when it comes to our major golf tournaments here in Australia. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Thanks to Barrandale Day because the little things are everything. Time to get into a bit of green to green with former golf pro Marco Allen. He is part of 3RW's Twilight Zone, ratings gold on radio. Welcome, Marco. Nice to chat. Nice to chat, boys. Uh, sorry about the voice, but don't worry about that because uh, there's some pretty spectacular golf being played at the moment. Yes, including, let's go to Rory McIlroy, back to number yeah. one in the world, ninth time, 21 wins on the PGA Tour, and uh, he'd be pretty uh, chuffed with uh, that number one next to his name. Yeah, because I reckon about two years ago, he was in nowhere land, and for him to get back to number one is big time, but what really is the goal is that Rory needs to win the Masters to have all four majors and to win a career Grand Slam. And he, he hasn't really looked like it, which is unusual because the way he drives a golf ball, he should win the Masters every second year. And this week at the CJ, at this, this golf course that we saw in South Carolina, uh, he led the driving stats by a million miles, uh, strokes gained driving, absolutely flogged the field. He's one of the best, he's probably the best driver of a golf ball I've seen in the modern day equipment. So Greg Norman used to be with the bladder ball and the and the wooden club. He was the best driver of golf ball that there's ever been. But I'm I'm confident now that that Rory is the best driver of a golf ball. And if you drive the ball well at Augusta, you should win. I mean that's how the that's how the great players have always won there. They've they've driven it around the corners and they've they've given themselves short irons in where everyone else is hitting four irons. So he should really win it. And if he continues his the way he's played and he's worked hard to get back there. 
then I think it's in reach. And, and I really believe that Rory McIlroy should be a career Grand Slam person and join what there's maybe there's five at the moment. And he might be number six. Hey, Mark, you mentioned Greg Norman and Liv's obviously been a hot discussion point for all of us, but the final event of 2022 in Miami, $78 million worth. Can you explain this to myself even and those that aren't au fait with uh, what is being used here? All 48 players are going to be allowed to use yeah. electronic range finders in play when they tee off. Can you yeah, just talk on us? your buggy. You think you're driving no. your cart around, don't you? Okay, for us no. amateurs. <laughs> well, look, it, it's it's a team's event, this one, and, and that's why the money is extreme. Um, and it's just a laser gun. Yeah, like every second weekend warrior has got a laser gun. Mm. Um, but for for a million years, you know, on the PGA Tour, you've never been able to use them, um, which is ridiculous because every single player buys a book that tells you how far it is anyway. Uh, and, and to tell you the truth, you know, the... Yeah, most caddies will still use the book because the laser's no good for telling you how far that bunker is away, um, you know, how, how far to get to it. Sometimes you can't see the back lip. Uh, you don't really get the accuracy there. And, and also, if there's a tear on the green, the, the laser's not much good for telling you, you know, how far you need to land your ball on top of the tear. Um, and then, you know, everything else is easy. But, you know, for, for most people, just the laser, just to stand up there, um, aim your laser at, at the flag, and the technology, if you're not a golf person, there's technology where this laser knows it's hit a golf bag, a golf flag, and comes back at you, a golf, a golf pole, you know, the stick. And it comes back, and, and you know exactly how far it is. They're extremely accurate, and, and it will save a lot of time. So uh, I think that's a good move. I think all the tours will do it at some stage. You know, last week at the West Australian Open, every single player was using their laser. So it's not new. But at this level, at, the, at, a, at a high level, it's um, it's unusual. But I think it's a good move. I mean, it, what's the difference? You either get your laser out and, and and point it at the flag and you get the number, or you wait 20 seconds and get your caddy to do some mathematics and you'll get the same number. So what's the difference? Yeah, well, as I said, uh, Marco, I just drive me golf cart. tells me how exactly how far I am from the pin, mate, from my yeah. experience uh, out there at uh, Collier Park. Or, yeah, no, they're good. Now... They're good. Digger Lawson, uh, WA Golf Championship uh, was played on the weekend. Um, looking forward to uh, seeing what he can go on and do, but he wins his maiden title. He told us that not yeah. only had he hit two hole-in-ones playing in championship golf, where he won a <laughs> bloody $250,000 car with one of them, but he's hit yeah. 10 hole-in-ones. How many hole-in-ones have you hit over your career? Uh, 12, so he's no good. Oh, he's <laughs> a couple behind. <laughs> Dan's hopeless. Dan's hopeless. Um, but look, the, the fact of the matter is, by the time he's finished, he's probably going to be 20. If, if you if you play golf every single day and you're reasonable at it, then you're going to make a lot of hole-in-ones. If either of you two have had a hole-in-one, that's better than my 12, because I don't think either of you can play properly, and you don't play as much as me. So if, you've, if either of you have had one, I have, that's better than my 12. I had one in Shepparton yeah, from the par three yeah. on a sand grain. There you go. Sandy there you go. Well, oil, yeah, that, oil sand. Your grain. one's better than my 12, and oh. your one's better than Digger's 10, uh, but not as good as Jack Nicholas's. I think he's had 25. Yeah, very harsh criticism of uh, our golfing talent, Marco, but extremely yeah. correct. Play accurate, on. accurate, yeah, accurate. Uh, the Women's Championship, the BMW, was won by Lydia Cohen. Some big names have been uh, named today as heading down under to play in the Australian Open, which is good. 
Yeah, read some of those names out for me because there's a couple of good ones. I don't, well, I don't there's know Laura the Davies of England. There's Rue of uh, da- South Dame, Korea. Excuse me, Dame Laura, Dame, Dame Laura Davies. Yes, a, a former world number one. So her and Curry yep. Webb will be able to lock horns again. Uh, yep. Lynn of China, uh, Marina Alex of the yes. USA, and Jenny Shin, ten-year tour veteran as well. Yeah, Shin, Shin, Shin had a really, a, a, a very much a, a great purple patch probably about six, seven years ago where, you know, she was really quite close to the top the way I remember it. So there, there, there are some good names, but, you know, I think more eyes will be on Minji Lee uh, and her brother uh, coming down to play. So hopefully they pair them close. But, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if even some more names uh, are mentioned. Um, unfortunately, it, it's great for us, December's, a perfect time for Australians, really. <clears throat> um, but it's it's not the best time to drag a field of Northern Hemisphere players down to Australia. I, I, I always say I think the best time to do it is in February. And if you brought the, the tournament and all the players in February to, to an Australian Open, because we're all sick of cricket in February uh, and because the footy hasn't really wound up, golf ends up being on the front and back page of all the papers. And that's the way it used to be when the Australian Masters and Johnny Walker Classics and all those big tournaments used to be in in, in February. Golf was actually on the back page of, of, the, of, of all the papers. So, um, you know, bringing a tournament down in December, I mean, if there's a test match on the same week, and I haven't had a look at the schedule yet, but if there's a test, um, unfortunately, the cricket, you know, it, it may well be uh, a test in Perth too. Um the the, the 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 test match is going to get you know the front page uh, and the back page of most papers. But um, to, to look, I think December's great, and what they're doing this year is fantastic. But I would still love to see the Australian Open golf move to February. I think it's just the, the perfect time. We're sick of cricket by Feb. Um, the footy hasn't quite started. It's, it would just be golf's time to shine. So maybe one day. New Zealand Steve Elkers on the Champions Tour, and he's oh. doing some good work. This is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous story. I remember playing with Steve Elka, and I played with him a lot. We were always paired together, and he was a nice player. You know, he was pretty good. He had a good swing, didn't hit it far enough, uh, and he kept on going when I stopped, and he kept on going, and he ended up on the European Tour, and he kept on going, and he played a couple of seasons on the on the PGA Tour, but nothing happened. Nothing special happened until he turned 50 and he started Monday qualifying last year for tournaments. And this year he has won four events. He's made $4 million and he's going to win the Charles Schwab, which is the FedEx Cup of the Champions Tour. He's going to win it. It's an amazing story, one that makes me smile because, you know, you guys, you, you probably finished your footy when you were 32. This guy's got another nine years of playing golf. And he's going to make a lot of money because he's, he's just got one of those bodies that will just churn out good swings for a long time. So um, he, he was always a beautiful putter. He still is. And it's just fantastic to see Steve Elkart doing so well. Hey, Marco, I went to Bali recently and I reckon I was the only bloke up there without a tattoo. Now, that brings me to my next line of questioning. Uh, I mentioned Kings of Leon to Carl previously and he thought that was a runner in next week's Melbourne Cup. But no, uh, there's golf and uh, music stars, rock stars. Are they, can they blend or not? Kings of Leon down the outside. Now, look, it's, it's ridiculous. And you know what? We think it's the Australian Golf Club, and it's a it's a really it's a big time club. You know, it's sixty thousand dollars to join, 
It's nine thousand dollars a year. There's a ten year waiting list. They can they can do whatever the hell they want. But the fact of the matter is, they probably just didn't even know who this guy was. I mean, I've seen pictures of him now, and I like Kings of Lamb, and they're, they're, they're fantastic. You know, they're, they're great. But I wouldn't I wouldn't recognise this guy. You know, if if Buddy Franklin was playing the Australian, there, there's no way they're telling Buddy Franklin. To, to cover his tats up. There's just not. So to me, it's big noting. It's ridiculous. Uh, Golf Australia wants uh, the game to be an inclusive game and a game for everybody. And I think that's good because, you know, the way people, if you're not a golfer, you look at golf, it's for rich people and, you, you know, they're always walking around in their fancy clothes and, um, you know, playing on a beautifully manicured piece of a piece of property. But the fact of the matter is, the great percentage of people who play golf play on public courses. Mm. We can virtually do anything you like. You, know, you can bring a ham sandwich and, and have a beer after the round on the picnic tables. You know, golf is not this. And I think um, you know, the clubs that you know, get this sort of stuff, the headlines, it's not good for the rest of golf. But anyway, they can do what they like. They're a club to their own, so good luck to them. Yeah, it was Nathan Followill, of course, a drummer from Kings of Leon, denied entry at a Sydney golf course because of his tats. But uh, a nice uh, way to finish off the segment, Marco. Boys, always a pleasure. Look after yourselves. Yeah, look after that voice. You're sounding pretty sexy tonight, yeah, I must sorry. say. Uh, good on yeah, you, Marco yeah. Allen there. Uh, radio ratings gold, that is. Uh, part of 3AW's Twilight Zone. Former golf pro knows his stuff, thanks to Baron O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We'll wrap up Sports Day after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. If you've just joined us, an upset in the World Cup with England going down to Ireland. Ireland making 157 inside, 20 overs. They were bowled out. England under Duckworth Lewis had a really poor start. And in the end, 5 for 105 when the rain came. And it meant that Ireland were handed the victory uh, by five runs. Uh, the pressure is certainly on Aaron Finch and, of course, uh, Pat Cummins. If you look at the two leaders of our one-day international team, uh, Finch last night, terrible in the field. He couldn't find in the middle of the bat and he's under pressure to keep his spot and also the microscope has been firmly turned to Pat Cummins after his performance last night as well and when you've got the likes of Mark War and others making comments around that scenario be really intriguing to see what happens Alistair Clarkson to return to North Melbourne like Chris Fagan they will return to work on the 1st of November uh, Oleg Markov has been delisted by the Gold Coast and Tommy Hawkins to have surgery on a foot he will be available in early 2023 but uh, he will certainly not get through a large bulk of pre-season something that he was able to do this year and he played with this injury at uh, the end of the 2022 season but got what he desired, another premiership uh, also today it was announced we just spoke a bit about it with Marco Allen that uh, there's going to be a few hot members of the Australian Open field, it's a men and women's joint tournament, Laura Davies we've got So Yeon Ru, Zing Ling and also Marina Alex along with Jenny Shin joining that particular tournament and with the launch of the WNBL season Looking forward to seeing those theme rounds. 84 games to be back in vogue there and that tournament to get underway on November 3 with our Perth Lynx in action there. Todd Johnson is next. See you tomorrow from 6. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.